0: Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. What if you could do marketing inside of the world's largest mall? Well, that's what Chris Stone did from Cast Ahead. And you'll find out that not only did he use affiliate marketing, which you can use no matter what size of audience you have, but it also positioned him as an expert. Yes. Welcome to Profit From Your Podcast. Proven strategies to turn listeners into a livelihood. Here's your host, Dave Jackson. It's always kind of interesting when I did all my research for the book, Profit From Your Podcast, Proven Strategies to Turn Your Listeners into a Livelihood. I ran into a lot of people who are making money with their podcast and the goal of their podcast when they first started was, Was not to make money. And by that, I mean, like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to get ads. One of the benefits of podcasting is it helps you position yourself as an expert. And today we're talking with Chris Stone from castahead.net. If you need any kind of video, he's also a podcast consultant, but he's, I look at Chris as the video guy and a marketing guy. And his background comes from the music business where again, he is a musician, but primarily he was the marketing guy. He was the guy making the t-shirts and the bumper stickers and everything else. So he did get a start in the music business,
1: but that's also where you start to hear the heart of the servant come out. You know, my history in the music business had to do with making other people look and sound their best. And so I really was comfortable being sort of behind the scenes and managing the the dials and the knobs and all of the stuff that content creators, musicians, don't really care about. They really just wanted to do their craft. So as I transitioned out of the music business, I thought, well, I could do this in the podcasting space because really, content creators are musicians. Podcasters are content creators. And in a lot of ways, people just want to get their message out and they get tripped up by all of the stuff. There's plenty of people that can do a podcast by themselves. And uh, if they can handle all of the stuff and click all the buttons like Dave's doing today, then cool, that's awesome. Go, you know, do it and I can help you. But if you want somebody to do all of that stuff for you and you just want to come out of your trailer and be a superstar, I can do that for you too. Just chill out and uh, we'll do all this stuff for you. And I first ran across Chris when he asked me to be on his show. Our third guest ever on Dealcasters was the gentleman you first heard when you pushed play on this particular podcast was Dave Jackson. Here we were, nobody, and we said, you know what, maybe if we ask Hall of Famer Dave Jackson to be on our show, because he's got a new book, he'll be on our show. And he said yes, and ever since then, it's been nothing but well, not superstardom, but it's been okay.
0: Hey, and okay is a great place to start. So Chris and his co-host were remote video producers, and they heard about this thing called the Amazon Influencers Program.
1: We had done some virtual conferences with some clients, and we we're like, we have to figure out a way to do a show. And one day he called me, and he said, hey, I watched this video from Ross Brand, and it's, it was how to get yourself set up as an Amazon influencer. And I was like, what? What do you mean Amazon influencer? That sounds weird. He goes, well, I applied and uh, I was approved. So let's start a show on Amazon. And literally, I, th- I, I said, yes, not only because, you know, why not do another show, right? But this was the place where we could go live in the middle of the biggest mall of the world and demonstrate what we do. You know, we were always like in these conversations with clients about uh, what what's the mic you use and what what's the best lighting should I use? And they don't want to hear about mic technique and all of those other things. They just say, tell me the mic I need to buy. And you're just texting them a affiliate link. You hope they're clicking on it and you hope you're getting $1. twenty-seven or whatever from the mic they bought. Right. And so it was just this clunky process that was like, why not? be able to do this in the middle of the biggest mall of the world, we'll, we'll do this stuff and we'll demonstrate, we'll teach people about mic technique, why you need headphones when you do these things. Like these are, for us that have been in this industry, and Dave, for you, like much longer than I have, like putting headphones on when you do these things is like a dir, of course, right? But most people don't know about this. Most people don't even know what live video is. They don't understand any of this stuff. And so we're like, well, why not just show up and do this? Then we can take the content and just spit that out everywhere, and it would show what we can do for other people. The intention, really, Dave, was for us to get business as remote producers. That was it. We were like, and you know, we knew people. We knew, we had, and so we were like, let's turn this into a podcast. Let's have conversations with interesting people like Chris Kermitsos and. Dave Jackson and Jennifer Watson and and all of these people, let's have them on here. If they've got a book to talk about and it's, you know, it's available on Amazon, what greater place to have a podcast than on Amazon where someone has a book? It's a differentiator, right? So we had a lot more, you know, nobody comes out of the gate with guests like that on their podcast. They just don't. It's a bit, you know, so the the kind of the carrot for us was to, have a really good looking and sounding show where the guests, you know, really, you know, felt really great about being able to to do what they needed to do to promote their book, but also be, a, you know, a differentiator. It's just not like a Zoom call that gets recorded. This is an actual show that we can make someone feel really good about. And the first time we had Chris Kremitzos on, he was like, guys, I have to get you to PodFest. I have to get you to, to head up an entire day at VidFest and talk to everybody about, about Amazon, what they could be doing. Uh, let's really try to make this work. And that was the second show we ever had.
0: Chris and his co-host were remote producers. They were familiar with video. They were familiar with live and they were positioning themselves as experts. And Chris Kermitzos is the founder of Podfest, one of the largest podcasting events. And he's saying, you gotta come and do this kind of stuff at my event. So I asked Chris, you know, a live show is a little different. What kind of goes into it and what can you do during the show? Because it looks like the home shopping network.
1: The UI is is basically, you know, you it's all run from your iOS device or your, or your iPhone In in our case. And you fill, before your show, you fill your carousel with products that you're going to talk about. So what we typically do every time is... Is we put, you know, the microphones that we're using, the interfaces that we're using. If, the, if it's a thematic show, you know, we'll put products from, you know, that theme. If it's uh, somebody that we're interviewing, all the products from that person. Before the person gets interviewed, we ask them. We give them a link, which, which goes to their Amazon account that they can only see that says, here are the last 10 things I bought on Amazon. So we can say, hey, give us the last, you know, click on this. Tell us things, the last 10 things you bought on Amazon. Now, do we bring those up in the interview? Mostly no, but we might. And, you know, but if somebody is watching the show and asks a question about it, so if Dave, if you were on and and maybe you bought a charger that you you really like for your iPhone, for instance, somebody might chime in and say, does this charger have, you know, this capability? And then we'll kind of weave it into the conversation. And we weave that into the conversation, will it make the audio podcast afterwards? Maybe, maybe not. I think once you're X amount of minutes in on a particular podcast, I think it's fine to leave that stuff in just because as long as it doesn't get in too much of a visual conversation, I think it's okay to leave that stuff in because if they're listening 28 minutes into a podcast, they're probably going to be okay if you're answering a question from somebody live. And they're probably also going to hear that you're talking to somebody live and go, huh, These guys have a live show. I think I need to go check it out. And as
0: we're talking Amazon, we have to talk about FTC disclosure, meaning when you are sending someone an affiliate link, you have to let them know that you might earn a commission in the event they buy something. So how do you do that on a live video show?
1: Yeah, there's nothing that drives more traffic to a live stream than the FTC uh, (laughs) requirements. (laughs) You know, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Dealcasters. Everything you see here, we could make some money at no cost to you. As, As far as the live streams are concerned, and when we repurpose audio, we're very careful about links because that's really what they're in that. That's kind of, you know, what you're... So anytime we have something that's sending someone to Amazon, we have to let them know this is where it's going. And so like show notes, if you ever go to our show notes, there's all kinds of little disclaimers that we're putting in there. Because we want to make sure, hey, everybody, this is going to go to Amazon potentially. And at no cost to you, we might make a little change to, you know, pay for the Roadcaster Pro, whatever. So we do that. But like in terms of live video and what we say on audio, if, say, for instance, we're talking about the Shure uh, SM7B, which I'm talking to right now, um, I would say we'd like to fr- thank our friends at Shure who sent us this at no cost but our opinions are all, all our own. We'll say that. And that basically is like, okay, sure. Sent this, these guys, this sure this SM7B microphone, but he's talking about something that he believes in and hopefully they don't go, they don't, you know, say, you know, I don't like this guy or, or whatever, but it happens. And so it's really, that's really kind of the most, most of the disclosure that we have in terms of, of video and everything else. And, and, you know, we can go down this road, road as well, Dave, but like, we don't talk about stuff that we don't already use. Mm. And so it, it's important that, you know, from the onset, Jim and I didn't have relationships with companies like Shure and, and other companies that we have relationships with. We didn't, but we used their stuff and we believed in their stuff. And there were times where those companies were calling us. And we actually, one of the companies that we work with, one of the first things that they said to us was, listen, we love the show and it's great and everything. But but it was like, you know what I really liked mostly? You guys already used our stuff. Right. And it was like, that resonated with me. And there's a ton of influencers that may have tens and hundreds of thousands of followers and all this great stuff, but they don't use the stuff. So why would these companies sure road and we can you can name logitech we can name all of these companies why would they just send you free stuff if you don't really know what you're doing yet and for us our currency really is trust so you know we make a little money if somebody buys stuff that we're doing and that's all well and good but if somebody wants to ha- has a question about headphones and they want to understand what the difference is between uh, this pair of headphones, which has all this added base in it, and um, this other pair of headphones that are more for monitoring and what the difference is and what they should use. Like we can have a conversation with them and not go, you know, you know that we really want you to buy these because this company endorse, you know, endor- pays us this. We want to be able to have that conversation and, and have people, you know, trust what we're saying.
0: Exactly. The one thing that every podcaster has when they start is integrity. And once you lose it, it's almost impossible to get it back. Another side effect, I guess we could call it that, of being an Amazon influencer is
1: you get your own store. Yeah, So if you go to dealcasters.shop, um, you'll be able to see that. And basically it's kind of like your YouTube channel, but more like a flea market an actual YouTube channel, so you'll get a banner that you put across the top. But then, on there, you can have your your shoppable videos, uh, your live streams, and your idealists lists and photos as well. Which we don't do a ton of photos, just because it's, it hasn't really done much for us, and we're not we're not super photogenic. But you know, the one thing we didn't touch on, Dave, was product videos. And quite honestly, in terms of the amount of revenue that you can make as an Amazon influencer, going live is something that that helps out a little bit. But you can actually be an Amazon influencer, be a podcaster, whatever, and not go live. Just create product videos. So if you want to do a product video for your Rode Mic and you want to just you know do like a you know a quick two minute video on it why you why you like it, the components of it. You know, maybe unbox the new whatever that you got, do a video, put it together. It doesn't have to be super amazing. You know, remember these are people that are right there at the at the precipice of, of hitting buy and add to cart. They just need to, you just need to answer a couple of questions, solve a few problems that they might have when they're in the process of buying it. And you put that there and that's a nice way to make a little money while you sleep as well in terms of affiliate uh, commission uh, for that. And then you could take that if you want to, put it on your YouTube channel. What a lot of people do is they, if their brand is one thing, let's just say they're a coach of some sort, but they'll get themselves set up as an Amazon influencer and they'll do a bunch of product videos. And it could be everything from the blender to, you know, whatever, nothing really related to coaching. So they'll start another YouTube channel where they put all of their product videos up on. So they have that and then they end up getting monetized on YouTube as well.
0: And so as you heard, monetization on another platform, so Amazon doesn't hold you to some sort of weird exclusive contract. But the question we all want to know is, is it working? And remember, his goal wasn't to make money. It was to position himself as an expert.
1: It's a fun sandbox to play in, Dave. We get to do all kinds of weird and crazy stuff. But one of the clients I have... Actually, uh, when we were in the conversation, he pulled it up and he said on this episode right here, you did with Kirk Nugent and right here. And he pulled his little, he scrubbed the video to the, he goes, that's what I want. How much? I look at that as, as, as somewhat of a success. I also look at it as like, again, and we have a lot of fun and if we didn't have any fun, Dave, I don't think we'd do it. So he's having fun
0: doing what he loves, making videos. But we talked about that whole affiliate
1: thing. So,
0: you know, how much are you making there, Chris?
1: It's enough to pay attention to as a stream of revenue for a content creator, uh, is what I'll say. If you think it's something you can just not, just like hit an easy button and not pay attention to it, and every day you're going to make a couple hundred dollars, that's not true either. If you want to make, Three four hundred dollars a day. um, Then you got to work at it. You know, just like any job that you would make three four hundred dollars a day at, uh, you got to work at it, and that means paying attention to how your your content's working, but also investing in it. There's software that is made for Amazon sellers. One's called Helium Ten. Another one I forget the name of it. It's got a big bumblebee on the on the logo, but it's basically made for you to be able to say here's all the stuff that's selling really well on Amazon and it kind of puts you into a situation like when you get approached by brands with products that may or may not make sense for you and you can kind of say, hmm, should I do a video on this particular product? I can put it in you know, the software and it'll say, no, it's not a good idea because they don't have video on the product page. They, uh, they don't sell well. They're not, they don't have good reviews. Like, so it's, it's a way to do that, but that software is not cheap, but we invest in things like that because we don't like for us, Amazon is one revenue stream for us. Our, our bigger businesses are what we do, like for, for what I do for cast ahead and and what I do for, for remote production, but we can't ignore the amount of money that does come in for Amazon. And it's also our show. And honestly, if we didn't make that much money uh, on Amazon, we'd still continue to do our show because we love to do our show. And the reason why we did our show is not to make money. If your reason to start on Amazon is to make money, you better, I mean, it might not be for you You got because it's going to ebb and flow. There are days where you're going to be like, hey, you know, the week of Prime Day is awesome, right? But like, like right now, it's down. The summertime is down. People aren't, aren't buying as much, believe it or not, of, of, you know, lots of different products. Now school gets back in here in a couple of weeks and things start to cool off a little bit. We start to head in the fourth quarter. Boom, things are going to go, you know, that way. So, but you got to work at it. It's just like, you know, when I was in the music business, we would sit down every year and it drove me nuts. And, you know, it's like, okay, here we are. We're in July. Okay. Uh, what are we doing around back to school? Like, what do you mean? What are we doing about back to school? It's July. We should have been talking about that in February. In July, we should be talking about what we're doing around Christmas. And every year, Christmas comes the same time. (laughs) You know, Halloween's always the end of uh, October. Why are we talking about Michael Jackson thriller in July, right? I think in any sort of content creation, you got to study, like, you know, what what are buying habits? What are streaming habits? What are listening habits? What are what are the ways that I can, you know, shift my content and develop things around that and not be just always thinking about the money?
0: And speaking of money, if you want to start doing video, what kind of budget, where can you start if you don't have a large
1: budget? Your phone. The best camera, you know, and I've I've used, I've gone live with my phone. I still do. I mean, I have a Sony a6100, you know, that I use for my main camera, but I use my phone with camo uh, as an app sometimes and go live with that. The cameras that they have in these iPhones, believe it or not, the mic as, as much of a mic nerd as we are, the microphone in the iPhone is not too bad. I've had people like, they have a Blue Yeti microphone and the, the sound is just awful. And I said, do me a favor. You're, on, you're using your phone camera right now, right? And you've got, and, because that's what they have it rigged. I said, let's just use the microphone in your phone. Not the earbuds, uh, microphone, because that's just going to scrape up against your collar and make all kinds of clicking noises, and it's really just going to be annoying. But your phone's just fine. And if they're already a podcaster doing audio, they know this. Audio is most important. It always will be the most important thing with video. And if you've got all the clickies and the and just terrible audio, and you sound you're like you're in a reverbery whatever, People are not, are you're tuning, you're annoying people and you're tuning people out. So pay attention to mic technique and pay attention to making sure you're in a, a small dead room. Put some fluffy stuff around you and make sure that the sound is the most important. Then worry about the stuff that's in the frame of your phone and whether or not you're at 1080 or 720 or things like that. I recommend getting a dynamic microphone. You can get, you know, a great one for 50 bucks. It's a USB and you can like a Samsung Q2U or a a, uh, Audio-Technica 2100 or something like that. You can plug right into your computer and it sounds, you sound like a podcaster. That's the number one thing is from a gear perspective is just a couple of quick things. Doesn't cost a lot of money, but worry mostly about what you're saying. And so
0: we've got our audio down, but it is video. So we need to talk a little lighting.
1: Yeah. I mean have a light in front of you. You know, nobody likes to look at a video and see it looks, looks like somebody's in the witness protection program. But, you know, not everybody has, you know, an extra couple hundred, $300 or whatever to, to worry about the lighting. So open a window or whatever and get some real natural sunlight. If it's if it's nighttime, obviously that's not gonna work, but get a lamp and get it in front of you. And then just kind of adjust it, get it a little bit off center so it gets some depth in your in your face it's really not necessarily lighting as much as it is how you align yourself on a camera. So, I mean, I, in my business, I, I, I do, you know, a number of shows a week and it just kills me. And I even see it Dave on, on the news sometimes when they're interviewing somebody at their home, they've got a laptop down. And for some reason people feel like this is the new look, right? You put the laptop down in front of you and you tilt the, uh, the laptop camera and all of a sudden the person you're staring into their nostrils you're seeing the spinning ceiling fan above them you know like take a look at somebody that's doing that they look like they're twelve feet tall and you're a toddler looking up up at them like why would you approach somebody like that you would never do that so align yourself get get your uh, get your camera whatever it is if it's your if it's a laptop, you know, get something underneath it. It could be a box, it could be a pile of books, whatever. Get it lined up and, you know, make sure that it's not on a desk where your your laptop screen is flapping back and forth because that's flapping your camera back and forth. It's an, it, It's annoying people. I think eye contact and alignment is actually a little more important than lighting. You know, just get a light in front of you so they can see your face, but make sure that they can see your face not your nostrils and your spinning ceiling fan.
0: And Chris has already mentioned his camera and a couple other things. What's his actual workflow once he gets done recording
1: the show? Well, This is Tool Talk with Chris. I take the content and I throw it into Descript. That's that's the first thing that I do is I take the isolated videos and I put them into Descript. I'll make notes during the show and say, ooh, this was a nice little thing that I'm going to use. This was a nice little thing. But sometimes I miss those. It happens. But Descript is a really great way, and for me, I'm a a very like read the words, visual kind of person. I can kind of go through and say, "Oh, this is where Dave Jackson said this," and I can highlight something like that, and then you know, plop it aside. And there's just a whole bunch of stuff. Where and so by the by the time I get to the end of an hour long interview, I've got like 15 or 20 potential clips that I can use on a particular interview, and so out of those. 10 or 15 potential clips, I can take those and put them all into 59 or 59 seconds or less and put captions on them, do different things with them. And the right answer I think is to it's it's the right answer to everything in terms of podcasting, right Dave? It depends. So there's a different video that uh probably resonates better with TikTok versus Instagram versus YouTube. But the only way to really find out what resonates is to put it there. Sometimes we're putting up a bunch of stuff and go, wow, how did that thing get that many views? And then get nothing on this platform. Well, maybe it's the type of video. Maybe it's our, our platform. that's just not the platform for us, right? Who knows? It's not like we're posting a lot of stuff on Pinterest all the time. I think the only real way to find out whether or not your content, short form, clips, whatever, is going to work on particular platforms is to really go at it and see if it does. And if it doesn't, then you know, you curtail it. Or if you it's really just like podcasting in general, we make our own analytics, but you need a larger sample size to say, hey, these types of shorts don't work for me on YouTube. I did like 10 of them, and but these do. And so I'm going to start to focus and I'm going to use that to create better content for that platform. And then I'm going to do something different or a little bit different and pivot here on this other platform.
0: So different platforms, different strategies, different videos.
1: When you try something new, how long do you let it go before you go, yeah, it's not working? You really should start seeing something in about six months. And I, when I say something, I don't mean like thousands of downloads. When you start your podcast and you're coming up with these KPIs of of what you determine success for for your podcast, if it's additional clients or, you know, getting more speaking gigs or whatever, you should start to see some activity, maybe not, you know, huge activity in, in about six months, you know, 20 plus episodes is kind of like my gauge.
0: And so I've made all these cool shorts using Descript. How often do I publish this on social?
1: We don't go nuts. We don't. I mean, I we literally maybe three or four posts per each one of these platforms a week is what we're because I feel like if you go every day on some of these platforms, I just don't. I feel like you're annoying people too, right? So we this this allows us to be more tactical. You start looking at about fifty or so posts over the course of three months, maybe is kind of the general flow and since chris has a, a
0: vast background he's worked in audio he's worked in video he's worked in marketing i want to get his take cuz some people are not sure should i add video i haven't even started yet should i do audio should i do video do i do both what is chris's take on the audio versus video
1: it's i mean audio audio podcasts are still they still are, are it's more far reaching they're more um I I use this word all the time, underrated, and people think it's a bad thing. It's not. I think, you know, having video is super important, I believe, but not essential. Having audio is essential. Like, you can't have a podcast without audio. There's no such thing as a silent podcast, last time I checked. There are far more ways for people to listen, right, to that. I mean, unless, obviously, if you're hearing impaired, it is, there's no question. This is why audio is the most important thing and always will be, and, I know YouTube, quote, quote unquote, got into podcasts, but are they? Numbers wise, it's it's always audio. And I don't know if they're reading the headlines or, or whatever. They just, they're looking at YouTube subscribers. They're looking at views and they're looking on that. And I was like, well, you, the, did you look at your statistics on, you know, did you look that you were in 98 countries and that somebody in Kazakhstan listened to you today? it just blows my mind. I mean, one of the things, one of the clients that I've got, Dan Jordan, he's called the sales energizer. He called me and he was, he wasn't weeping, but he was emotional. And he said, I just want to thank you. He said, I, I got a call from some person in India and I ended up getting business from this person. But he says that that's beside the point. He said, I just called you to see if you were the same person that I heard on the podcast. And he said, "There, there's no way I would have gotten that business unless we were doing it." And that's an audit That was an audio podcast. And as Chris has been doing this
0: a while, I asked him, "Would you do anything different if you started today?"
1: I think out of the gate, when we started to see the revenue come in, uh, we were shouting it from the rooftops, and we still tell people that they should be doing this. But I think we thought that Amazon Live, Amazon Influencer Program felt like the early days of YouTube. If you remember the early days of YouTube, it was like, it was hot garbage. It was like, you know, somebody's, you know, blending iPhones. I'm watching a fish tank for four hours. What is this? This is terrible. But now, you know, there's 100 million YouTube channels or whatever. And we all wish we had started a YouTube channel way back when they were blending iPhones. And so I think we thought that this thing was going to be massive. So we just shouted it from the rooftops And things changed. And so I think we, I think if I'm, I don't really have a regret that we did that. I just, I wish the content was better on the platform. And we really did our best to, to kind of evangelize for the platform to try to get better shows and better content on the platform. And I think what it did was it really got a lot of people that were like thinking it was quick money. And so it just got a bunch of people, and so there was just so much content. And right now it's so crowded with that just below-average content that it's it's uh, it's frustrating.
0: And of course, if you have someone who worked in the entertainment business, in this case,
1: working for record labels, you gotta ask them what they learned. The bottom line is, I got really used to you know treating people like anyone else, and ultimately, most of these you know you know huge celebrities or musicians or whatever that's really what they want they don't want the the people that are working around them to treat them like you know like super fans and all of that stuff and you treat them like humans th- that's really the way to to connect with them and to be able to to do whatever you can do i mean i have one of my uh one of my favorite stories was i uh, was working a an in-store where, uh, you know, at, at Tower Records, remember record stores? Oh yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, who was signed to Arista Records, Canadian artist, massive Canadian artist. Um, she was, she had her new album Fumbling Towards Ecstasy came out and she was doing an in-store performance at, uh, Tower Records. And she did like, I don't know, four songs acoustically and all these girls were weeping in the front and it was all just very, very just, uh, you know, and it was, Whatever. I knew that I was going to have all of the 700 people that were there in that record store. We're going to have to get in a line and I would have to orchestrate them getting through so Sarah could sign every single one of those CDs and cassettes to uh, you know, all those people as they went through. So as when she ends, my job was to escort her to the table and get things going. So Sarah's about to finish. This music business executive I didn't recognize came up with this little woman next to him. And, she, and he said, Hey, I wonder if you can do me a favor. And I was like, okay. He goes, I have a new artist that's coming out with a record. And she's a really big fan of Sarah. Can I have Sarah meet my new artist? It's like, you know, listen, we've got a lot of people. We've got a lot of stuff we got to do. Can we make it really quick? Okay. 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 And so Sarah gets off the stage, Sarah really quickly. And I looked at him and I said, can we do this right now? He said, yeah. He says, uh, Sarah, um, this is my new artist. She's got a new record coming out called uh, "Tuesday Night Music Club." Her name's Cheryl Crow. And I was standing there when Sarah McLaughlin met Cheryl Crow, which I thought was pretty cool.:
0: That is pretty cool. And as we saw in today's discussion with Chris, here is again, exactly what I recommend. Don't just have one stream of income, Chris and his co-host are positioning themselves as video experts. They get to showcase their talents in their podcast while they're also earning additional affiliate income. So Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show, sharing your insights, your story, your workflow. Thanks for everything, buddy. Thanks,
1: Dave. Appreciate it, man.
0: You know, as I listen back to that interview, there's the beginning of it really for me is the part that jumped out when he was starting the podcast and he asked Chris Komitsos to come on and Chris was like, wow, this is amazing. You need to come to my event and tell people about this. And I always tell people one of the biggest benefits, I know we're here to talk about money, but one of the biggest benefits are the relationships because the relationships lead to opportunities and the opportunities lead to more relationships. I just got back from speaking in many places this month. If you're wondering why there wasn't an episode out, uh that's why. I was in New York, I was in Philly, I was in Arkansas and I just got back from Houston, Texas. And I started doing this when I do a talk is I turn my back to the audience and I say, "I have extra uh skin on today. If you've never heard of me, if you've never listened to my show, please raise your hand." And I'm going to say over two days, probably 30 people, and I go, "That's how you grow your audience by getting your show in front of people that don't know you. And those opportunities lead to you getting in front of more people that don't know who you are. And as you grow your audience again, you get more opportunities. Opportunities lead to more relationships, which lead to more opportunities. If you'd like to check out the book, the website is ProfitFromYourPodcast.com book. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. I help podcasters It's what I do, and I'd love to see what we could do together. Hey, it's Dave. Thanks for sticking around here. Again, this is not the norm, but we've kind of got a time-sensitive issue here because this webinar is March 21st about book launch secrets. It's myself and Thomas Umstadt, and then he's going to talk about this course and it's going to basically go over everything you need to know about launching your book. And you'll learn proven principles and methods to help your next book or get your first book off the ground like a rocket. Thomas, the same way that I live and breathe podcasting, Thomas lives and breathes books. And then what's beautiful about it is his kind of mentor, James L. Rubart. It's kind of like getting Han Solo and Yoda at the same time. And the reason I think this is so important is this is the last time they're teaching this course. Now, the webinar you're signing up for, absolutely free, and you're going to walk away with a lot of great ideas and an offer. We're not going to lie to you. They're going to talk to you and ask you to take this course. But there's so much value in just the free webinar, I wanted to let you know that it's going on. And it's happening very, very soon, March 21st. Look at the calendar. Yeah, that's like, holy cow, it's coming right up. All you have to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash launch. That's schoolofpodcasting.com slash launch. I can't wait to see you there.